This is the Art of Darkness podcast with Kevin Kautzman and Brad Kelly. We're a couple of very online writers interested in the dark side of what drives creative people to create against all odds. This show is about art and the people who make it, what it costs them, and what it takes to bring something unique and impactful into the world. Each episode, we excavate the life and work of an artist you might think you know. Don't worry, they're all safely dead. On every episode, we try and find out just what the hell was wrong with them and how they worked through their darkness to create something that lives on after them and continues to move culture. Find us online at artofdarkpod.com and on Twitter at artofdarkpod. are back with an episode of Heart of Darkness, artofdarkpod.com, uh, patreon.com slash artofdarkpod, uh, let's see, Twitter slash artofdarkpod. Kevin, Kevin, you got something? Patreon.com slash he is the quitsats hotter <laughs> We were going to do that, but I can't spell that reliably. So. <laughs> Why aren't we getting any patrons? <laughs> Uh, but for real, patreon.com slash art of dark pod. I think we're at like, what, 40 patrons now. Lovely to see. We're starting yeah, to cool. see people coming in on the reg. We love it. If you subscribe, you get access to the after dark episodes. We do one for every episode we do. This is a dark room episode, which is a, a type of episode that we do. That's not the core episode. The core episodes are the beating heart of the show. The dark room episodes are the, hmm the frat party of the show like the sorority yeah. mixer it's it's yeah. a mixer no the darkroom episodes are where we have guests come on who are familiar with one of the subjects we cover in our core episodes to help us deepen it to yes. help us we we all take the spice inhale yeah. deeply of the yeah. spice and we yeah. travel through through space and time uh, mm-hmm. to the doorstep I personally of our- am drinking some tea Wapsang okay. Sushong Oh, wow. okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> very sophisticated. You're bringing a very sophisticated flair to our show. That's good. That's good. And um, I, ben, I, have yeah, go to, I have to ask a very serious question. What is it like to be on a podcast, to be on the 49th ranked podcast in the arts books category in Serbia? Shout out to our Serbian listeners. What does it feel like? <laughs> I actually have a number of friends in, Be- in Beograd. Um, I, I worked with an, a designer named Nada who designed the Willows anthology. And she, I actually met her in person in Beograd. And I also worked with a guy named... Uh, anyway, that, that, there, was pronunciation several, there, there were several uh, but people. Uh, there, there was a guy who, whose Airbnb I stayed at in in Beograd, and he still has my clothes. Uh, I need to go back and uh, get get my clothes back from his 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 Airbnb. So yeah, Serbia. Uh, I I have I have unfinished business with Serbia. Yeah. Okay. See, so do we. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we, we, see, the, go ahead, Brad. Go ahead. I was going to say, we were talking about this beforehand, and I said, you know what? I bet our guest today, ben, the great Ben Thomas, at Writing Ben, uh, and I'll let you introduce yourself properly beyond that. But I was like, I bet you Ben has been to Serbia, and I bet you he knows people in Serbia. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I've got, I've got, I've got not, only do, not only do I know people in Serbia, um, people, Serbian people have worked 
on my teams, ah. on, my, on, my, on my design teams for, yeah. for, for, for uh, projects that I've produced. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, very yeah. cool. Well, and, and speaking of projects, Ben, well, first, before we get there, we did, we've okay. talked about the Kwisatz Haderach. Everybody probably knows at this point, we're going to do a darkroom episode. We're doing it right now. Not, not we're going to do it. We're in the middle of it on the great Frank Herbert. And with us, we've got the great Ben Thomas, who joined us for the HP Lovecraft a few months back, which has been one of the more popular episodes we've done. And so we wanted to have Ben back because we know how much Ben loves Frank Herbert, how much he knows about the Dune world and associated things. But before we get too deep into that, Ben, give it, you're doing some exciting stuff too. So could you just give us a quick rundown of sort of like the various balls that you're plates you're spinning balls you're juggling <laughs> however you want to describe it yeah um the the main thing that i think people who read dune would be interested in is i have a historical novel called the cradle and the sword which is set in ancient mesopotamia and uh, this is trace traces the development of civilization in ancient mesopotamia from the 200 bce all the way back to 5750 BCE. So all the way back to the Neolithic era. And this is something, uh, I think that's a book that people who have an uh, in, 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 in interest in Dune and who have, uh, who've developed an interest in Dune and um, uh, want to learn more about the underlying cultural substrates um, could very easily uh, discover more of that world with my novel, The Cradle and the Sword. Very cool. Very cool. And you've also got, you've also got a cool new podcast. Uh, I don't know about new-ish. It's still new, I would say. Podcast project mm -hmm. that you've got going on. Tell people a little bit about that. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've got a new podcast. It is called horrifying tales of wonder and it is a podcast in the style of a 1930s horror radio broadcast so we have a ghostly host quantadius bonaventure who <laughs> guides guides uh listeners through ghost stories weird tales of the macabre and Actually, uh, the, the, the <laughs> most recent episode, episode five, the same old lake. You can go on houseblackwood.net and check out this episode. Um, it, it is actually a full-fledged audio drama. It's not just a person reading a short story. We actually got actors. Uh, we have sound effects. There is uh, environmental uh, sound. It, it, it conveys a cinematic sense of the story's world. Very cool. Very so. cool. Yeah, this is this is like next level podcasting, man. Because this is like, I feel like a lot of people have sort of talked about this before. Like, oh yeah, we could do like an old timey radio play, and then you just went out and did it. And they're very, they're. I haven't listened to that one yet. I will for sure. But I know that I know everything leading up to that has been really yeah. well done. The writing's good. The production's great. The voice is good. Is the, the, the Quantavius is fantastic. So it's a, <laughs> it's a really cool project. People should check it out for sure. Um. Yeah. yeah. So and yeah, Ben. Thanks again for doing this. Let's uh, let's kind of dive into some Frank Herbert stuff. Hey, hey before stuff. we do, just one what? more thing. 
I was not making a joke about the the business in Serbia, and I've yeah. got to pause and say this yeah. past week we want to thank everybody who listens to the mm. show, everybody who subscribes, everybody who supports uh, Patreon. It's only three uh, three dollars a month is the first starter level. Mm-hmm. If you if you are materially a skint, if three dollars a month sounds like it's too much, at the very least go and leave us a five star and a, yeah. and a rating on iTunes. You that can do good. that. You can help the show. But this week. Uh, Brad sent me a message on, on, I think it was Tuesday and said, something's wrong with the numbers. Like we're, <laughs> there's a glitch with the numbers. Something is wrong. Now, another career that I have is in digital and web development and to a degree crypto now and web three and all this. And I'm like, yeah, maybe there was a bot attack on the website to pump our numbers. Maybe, I, I, you know, I don't know of like uh, bots that troll the web to go and play podcasts. It seems yeah. like you would do the opposite. You, you, you yeah. might write a, yeah. And so I, I think went what I, I said was that I thought somebody may have butt dialed the show and somehow managed <laughs> to click on it several right. hundred times. But yeah. the but the very good news is that it wasn't a glitch, and the reality is, is that we punched into the uh, the podcast charts on on Apple Podcasts. So we are regularly now hitting the top two hundred in numerous countries, including the United States, Australia, Denmark, Hungary, Serbia, and we, you know we didn't set out to do the show to like whatever. I mean, stuff like that isn't why we do the show. However. It is validating. If you're listening to the show now, you'll be able to say, I listened to Art of Darkness before it was the number one podcast in Serbia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, on, we're on our way. We're on our so way. What, well, this is what, so what I'm saying is, Ben, thank, and thank you to all our guests. I mean, this show is a very social yeah. thing, but what I'm, what I'm saying to the listeners is congratulations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway go ahead let's talk about frank yeah herbert. yeah so let's get let's get into frank herbert a little bit so i right. you know we we, we did the thing with frank herbert on the main episode and covered a lot of ground in terms of his biography we covered a lot yep. of ground in terms of dune itself um but maybe if we start here ben what is your relationship to dune what what's your dune origin story what does it mean to you now ah uh, where where will i begin <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I actually have fear is the mind killer tattooed in Arabic on my chest. Nice. And I, uh, I've traveled to uh, Egypt and Morocco, and I have actually spoken with Arabic Bedouin people about the teachings of Muad'Dib and uh, dis- discussed the parallels with the with the Quran and it, it's it's uh, yeah it's it, for me it's I wouldn't say that it is actually like my religion but it's it, it certainly it lends a, a spiritual flavor to my life sure. definitely yeah, yeah 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 and I think it's I think it's that way for a lot of people to varying degrees mm-hmm. depending on how when and how it entered their life and so. Well, I, now, I mean, you dropped this. We got to get into it a little bit. What is it like to talk about Dune to a Bedouin? What does that mean to them? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, well, first of all, sorry, back up for a second. What did we say a Bedouin? What does that? What does it even mean? If, if Bedouin, person, somebody doesn't know what that Bedouin, is. Bedouin is a Bedevi is the name in their uh, in the uh, Arabic language. They're nomadic Arabic people who live in the desert. And they're the uh, inspiration for the Fremen, I would assume, in the Dune universe. And uh, it, it's, it's interesting because there's 
there, there is a, a large number of parallels between uh, Arabic Islamic society and uh, even even going into prophecy and eschatology um, with uh, Dune and uh, the Quran. Hmm. So the, there's there's. Uh, multiple levels on which Dune and and uh, the Quran connect. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So so there's, I guess the another question too is like talking to these people, they weren't already familiar with the Frank Herbert's Dune. I wouldn't imagine, or were they? Probably some people are. Like, are, if, are people are people familiar with Frank, Frank Herbert's? Dune? Yeah, like if you like in these instances where you talked to a Bedouin, for instance, did they already were they already aware of this book in some capacity? Oh, no, no. Oh, definitely, okay. definitely right. not. Yeah. Definitely yeah, yeah. not. New, no, no, no. There, there's, 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 uh, there's actually a whole YouTube uh, subgenre of React videos awesome. of Muslims viewing Dune for the first time and being <laughs> blown away by references to. Uh, the concepts like the the Mahdi, the mm-hmm. the the Messiah that okay. uh, returns at the end of time to do battle against the Antichrist. Um, ah. So th- th- this is uh, it, it, people people who weren't uh, raised in Islam might be surprised to learn that uh, in the Islamic eschatology, is the Islamic uh, uh, idea of the end of days. Um, mm-hmm. it, Muslims actually believe that Jesus Christ will descend out of heaven and uh, do battle against the Antichrist. But Thanks. there will also be a specifically Muslim uh, uh, figure who will, okay. who will, uh, whose name is called Mahdi. Okay. And interestingly enough, this is the Mahdi is predicted as he will appear thousands of years in the future. He's been huh. hidden for thousands of years. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so right that's away, a very that's a very Muad'Dib thing, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah, so right away, we, right away, we get into this uh, this this idea that uh, uh, the the concept of the Mahdi, which is in the Quran, that's that is uh, mainline uh, Islamic eschatology. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's also g- going to show up in Dune, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's extraordinary to see people uh, reacting to it uh, in the in the Islamic community. Yeah, right, right, and yeah, it's almost it, it's for um, you know for conversations that we have about sort of representation you know we have a lot of conversations about this particularly in film about about representation and about different different groups of demographics being showing up in mm-hmm. film that haven't been talked about before and frank herbert back in 1950s is is integrating essential islamic ideas and arabic cultural uh tropes or whatever we want to call it into this into this story, which is going to become, you know, the biggest selling science fiction book of all time. And I think a lot of people who read it, especially then, probably didn't even catch that, that that was happening, right? Uh, yeah, the, the fact that he was spending, well, Frank Herbert spent a significant amount of time in uh, Pakistan and uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure Afghanistan, maybe, but yeah. uh, in, in the Near East, we can say, certainly okay. in, the, in the Levant 
region. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he picks up he picks up on a, a lot of things: the interdependency of religion and politics, business uh, in the Near East. For example, one one example that I love to cite is Saddam Hussein. Um, he presented himself as the reincarnation of the ancient Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Uh, even having his royal palace designed in ancient Babylonian style and declaring himself to be Lord of Sumer and Akkad, which right. is like the ancient title claimed by ancient Mesopotamian rulers. It's, that is so metal. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you should see, Kevin, have you seen some of the artwork he had in his? Oh. His, his, they look like, they look like, uh, second-rate uh, Frank Frazetta painting, some of them. I love it. Like, Look, if you're yeah. going to be a despot, if you're going to be a dictator, <laughs> just go hard. Go yeah, hard. it's true. It's true. I, I am the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Right, that's intense. Yes. That's hardcore. Everybody's just yeah. like, yeah. 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 It's like, oh, okay. it's just so embarrassing. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's awesome. Yeah, what yeah. a flex. Uh, yeah, it really is. That's very interesting. You know, it, it, so I listened to, um, I actually stumbled upon a Frank Herbert interview that I, I, I somehow missed in my initial research. There's this interview he does in 1969 with a professor from Cal State who's like, it's interesting, this, is, this English professor who's fanboying all over him, um, mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting to see because Frank Herbert, it's 1969, he's starting to be well known, but he's literally talking about how he has to go to his day job in this interview mm -hmm. and he's frustrated by it. But he talks about, um, he does start talking about um, his process and he says that he just had file folder after file folder after file folder on different things that were of interest to him that he felt like it fit. You know, he had articles and he had clearly a lot of texts on, on, uh, you know, the religion of Islam, the, the region of the, the Middle East and the Levant and all of these things. But he also had, he was fascinated by the Kalahari Bushmen, as he called them, um, mm. particularly because he thought their cultural discipline around water was the sort of most intense in the world. And, for oh, geographical the, reasons, the, it probably the was. Sun people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. Right. Cool. And so, right. So yeah. the whole still suit, I mean, they don't have still suits. Nobody has still suits. Right. But, but that whole yeah. discipline about, yeah. you know, every droplet is, has a certain degree of sacredness to it because they're so, they're so hard to come by. Um, and yeah, it was just interesting to hear that strategy for writing. And, and I suppose it makes sense in a way. He talked about, he's just compiling information for months and years. And then actually writing the first volume or what we think of as the first volume of Dune only took him two years to do, which is impressive. I mean, it's, it's a long book, man. <laughs> Just getting that yeah. many words on the page, this, never, never mind getting them in the right order um, in two years is pretty impressive. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So how do you, I mean, Ben, you're a writer. How do you... Do you feel like Frank Herbert's process resonates for you or do you attack oh, yeah. it some other way? Oh, absolutely. Um, my, my historical novel, The Cradle and the Sword, was directly inspired by Dune. Yeah, um, right. It, it, it's uh, interestingly enough, uh, where, whereas in, in Frank Herbert's universe, he, he takes, he starts with uh, Paul Atreides, Muad'Dib, um, and uh, extrapolates thousands of years into the future. I start in 286 BC and extrapolate backward. I ask right. why. 
So right. there's each 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 chapter or each uh, section of book is all about okay. You read about these characters and their interactions and their dramas and their conflicts. Why was it that way? Right. Jump, let's jump jump, let's jump back two hundred years in time. Right. And so it, 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 the the scale of looking at the formation and the development of empires and the 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 the, the shifting hegemonies of uh, you know business and religious religious organizations and uh, all these different groups uh, heavily influenced uh, the writing of my 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 novel for sure. Right yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interest. I mean, it's a, it's these kinds of projects have to be sort of uh, challenging. There's just a lot of elements to bring together. And one thing that was interesting uh, in this interview with Frank Herbert that I was listening to today, he's talking about, um, uh, he talks about the fact that in this whole world building thing and world building is, is a much talked about and ballyhooed elements of modern writing, I would say, uh, for good or ill sometimes, but he talks oh, about, he, go ahead. He Kevin. was, he was a breakthrough in world building. He was, he was, he's, oh, yeah. he's, yeah. he's oh, yeah. the dude is the Lord of the Rings for sci-fi. Absolutely. Absolutely. And absolutely. now one thing he said that he did to accomplish this is he purposely leaves sort of strategic gaps in the understanding he's not trying to build a comprehensive um world necessarily in his head it sort of is but for the reader he wants strategic gaps and open spaces in this world he's presenting because that way you can fill it with imagination as the audience but it also gives him um it gives him leverage later on to make creative choices right he hasn't locked okay. himself he doesn't lock him overly lock himself into stuff so that later right. on you can fill in a gap because that's where I want the story to go. And I thought that was I, I, I thought that was sort of very instructive for anybody who's trying to get into the sort of specu speculative world building part of of you know of of fiction of writing novels and that sort of thing. That reminds me of how in back in the uh, 400s BC to like 1200s AD um, the step peoples the horse riding peoples uh were were these di just disorganized groups of empire uh, disorganized groups of tribes who were feuding and fighting and uh d d there was there was no real clear uh direction for any of it and so mm -hmm. it, as 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 each of them would would emerge uh into uh, civilized, uh, into a civilized uh, 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 interaction, that the there's they would uh, they become. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of how to put this. Um, it, it, it there's 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 definitely a parallel with the steppe tribes and the 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 uh, yeah. Yeah, step so step tribes like you're saying as this is like a consolidation of power almost well not power necessarily yes. but but societal organization right mm -hmm. yes yeah, I, I think it's easy for us to look back and think of like people who were sort of like conqueror types or unifier types and say well all that was extremely violent they were just going around laying waste to everybody but which is true right in a Genghis Khan's type figure but I think there's also like a oh no, Brad, was, 
they it was were all also, violent. They were also uh, <laughs> raping everybody. Well, can't, yeah, can't, okay. can't forget that. Uh, you know, they, these, these nerds online that just love to point out you're probably related to Genghis Khan. Right? Do you know that? It's like, yeah, bro, I'm just probably. trying to make them make the mortgage. Right. <laughs> but no, that this is very interesting. Yeah, that yeah. this period of history and like these these sort of people have it, it, this idea that that we have this ancestral terror at at right. the at the steps and what's coming off that is fascinating. Yeah. 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 yeah interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So if we think about like the Fremen is being inspired by, well, obviously it's inspired by a sort of a, uh, it's a, it's a conglomeration of a few different cultural Mm -hmm. groups, I think. Um, And Frank Herbert seems to like, he's doing a really, a really interesting job at, at sort of pulling those together. Um, What it, you know, we kind of talked a little bit. I think there's another influence too. There, there's, because there's sort of a European influence to the whole book as well, right? So he's bringing in together with the House of Atreides, and he's got all of these sort of name and thematic references to Greek and Roman history. But Yeah, yeah. Atreides is actually uh, King Agamemnon's name right. in the Iliad. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, right. exactly. Yeah. So you've yeah. got a guy who's clearly, he's pulling from all of these different sources, and it is sort of like, Dune is sort of like this strange phantasmagoric dream of history right where like history is the day material and dune is like the night insanity of kind of trying to bring it all together in some way that make coherent way that makes sense um the more i I think about it i like that take and also of course psychedelic yeah totally informed by psychedelia (laughs) absolutely yeah 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 i mean we're talking that hit right at just the right time right i mean this is this is uh this is the acid the time of acid and and mushrooms and and all of that yeah i was at uh i was up at my my butcher which is my favorite uh paraphilic relationship which is uh, Jeremy, my butcher, heart Jeremy. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, up, shouts up out. in, in uh, yeah, shouts out to Flicker Meats, <laughs> White Bear Lake, and uh, uh, friends, friend of the show, and they they make these incredible sandwiches. But in that strip mall is uh, a cafe, and it's one of these gaming cafes. Uh, very busy, very big, full of people, full, full of nerds on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I go in there, and they've got a little uh, give one take one bookshelf. And what's the first book on the top of the shelf, like on the top of the pile, the most read, it's clearly been abused. It's been in probably half a dozen backpacks. Dune. Dune. Frank Herbert's Dune. Wow. (laughs) But of course, it's ubiquitous, right? What what other kids are all right. The kids are going to make it. And I would rather have, I would rather see that than like a Star Wars novelization Uh, or something like that. Like, Fine, if you're into that. Although great, we, we, yeah, we yeah. will talk, we will talk about tying in those yes. two uh, yeah. later, later yeah. okay. in, the, in this in this oh, episode. Yeah. That reminds yeah, me, uh, uh, Brad. What what are you saving for the after dark for Patreon? Oh yeah, no. So I got meditating. So I lit some candles and I, I took a good big deep snuff of spice. And I thought, what are we going to talk about in the dark room? And I and I just said, but Larry and Jihad now. Now, kill the computers. Wipe them out. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know what came over me. Holy moly. Okay. But that's what we're going to talk about in the After Dark is, is it time for a Butlerian Jihad? Um, The answer is yes. 
but Larry and Jihad <laughs> only for the Patreon <laughs> That's uh, right. subscribers. Patreon.com slash. That's right. There you go. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll get into that, and I think uh, that'll be sort of interesting because we're in we're in we're in times where we're reevaluating our relationship to computers. I feel like a lot of us are. So I think that I think that's yeah. pretty interesting. Um, one. So and the another thing, we kind of were Ben, you and I talked about, it, and we did mention somewhat in the first episode, the first uh, attempt we made at, at talk at telling the Frank Herbert story was the clear relationship between Dune and some of the works of Herman Hesse, um, the great uh, author. Hesse, of yes, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the, the strongest parallel is with Siddhartha. Yeah, the, for the, sure. The, the novel Siddhartha. Yeah, it, it's, it's a novel of a, of a young man going out into the world, discovering wealth, power, all these, you know, dreams, all right. the, uh, but, and ultimately discovering that all of it is illusion. And, uh, mm. and this, is a, this is a theme that's going to be repeated in Herman Hesse's work throughout his entire career. Um, yeah. He, yeah. He, he repeats it in, uh, in uh, the Glass Bead game. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, really? even in Steppenwolf, it's, it's there to, to some yeah. extent. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. that Steppenwolf doesn't get talked about more often than it does, but it is sort of this yeah. weird kind of book, right? He, he's one of these authors who everybody reads in college and then he yeah. has his moment and then he kind of fades away. I am a Hesse Stan. I yeah, am too. a big fan. Oh, I went yeah, me too. deep in college. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. He's, that's going to be a good episode. That's going to be big air. That's a big one. Yeah. And, and well, and, and this is the thing about uh, there. I started thinking, I was kind of meditating even more on this. Siddhartha is the obvious Dune connection because they're both this buildings Roman kind of story. And they're, I mean, right. they're, and, and those, those are great. Those have a very yeah. important role in arts and culture and society. I think stories like that. But then I got thinking about the Glass Bead Game because Gla Glass Bead Game is like a top ten book for me. I I'm I really? think that that is an absolute masterpiece. Say say it with me. We're getting ready for your Ernst Jünger episode. So Ernst Jünger, Glass Perlenspiel, <laughs> Das Glass. Perlenspiel. 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 Yeah. And of course, if you're if you're German and you're angry about it, I want you to record yourself yelling angrily in German for me because I love that. That's just make sure. Yeah, yeah. Send German ranting at me for my bad pronunciations on the Bird website at Art of Dark Pod. Yeah. Hey. Hey, I run that. They're all going to come at me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that, this, is how, this is how we're going to teach Brad German is by yelling at him every under, time he mispronounces something. Ernst Junger? What Ant, now? Ernst Junger. I got his name. I don't have any other German. That's the only German <laughs> phrase you're I can say. Is you're doing name. great. I love yeah. that we're able to be Hesse stands here, and that kind yeah. of relates to, to Frank Herbert. Yeah. I hadn't made that connection, but yeah. it, that totally I, makes sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I got to thinking about the glass bead again because I love the glass. I'm, I'm, I've read this thing like three times, right? And Which is yeah. a, a lot for a book of that size, I, in my opinion. Um, and I got to thinking about a couple of parallels there, too. So... Part of, for folks who don't know, the Glass Bead Game is, it's a speculative novel. It's set in a kind of an undetermined time, but it's focused on this group of people called the Castilians. And they're essentially monks. They're intellectual monks. They're monks of a, of a sort of future secular age in which the religion is intellectualism. Um, and they're responsible for cultivating and maintaining a tradition of intellectual play and study 
centered on the glass bead game. And this got me thinking about it, they're a sort of a secret society, right? And Dune is right. The glass bead game, society. by the way, is not played with glass beads. It's not. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. It's, it's a, yeah. played with a system of glyphs that yeah. are like a combination of mathematical and musical notation. Yeah, it's actually yeah. it's actually yeah. never it, it, it's it's hinted what the hell at. Have I been doing? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's it's hinted at and talked around a lot exactly what yeah. the glass bead game is, but they never he never quite nails it down. But I will read you a passage. Here's the description. The closest that Hesse comes to giving you a full description of the game itself, which is inside of the book. Um, uh -huh. The glass bead game is thus a mode of playing with the total contents and values of our culture. It plays with them as, say, in the great age of the arts, a painter might have played with the colors on his palette. All the insights, noble thoughts, and works of art that the human race has produced in its creative eras, all that subsequent periods of scholarly study have reduced to concepts and converted into intellectual values, the glass bead game player plays like the organist on an organ. And this organ has attained an almost unimaginable, unimaginable perfection. Its manuals and pedals range over the entire intellectual cosmos. Its stops are almost beyond number. Theoretically, this instrument is capable of reproducing in the game the entire intellectual content of the universe. Um, which is cool. And, and you can imagine why I didn't quite pin it down, because how are you going to pin that down? It's way cooler as an idea. I think the closest thing we have to this now is Twitter, basically. Uh, and <laughs> right, because it's just you're constantly playing with, you know, at its best. Um, it's 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 a meme. It's a game of memes. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is what the glass bead game is. Is a game of it was a game of intellectual association and trying mm. to chart a, mm. a, a sort of melodious interaction of ideas in a competitive manner, and that's sort of what Twitter can be, uh, even though Twitter's a little bit lower. Hassa uh, never could have predicted frog Twitter. No, 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 no. Right. Of course not. Nobody, that nobody could have. Fascinating, <laughs> Brad. I have never considered that parallel before. That is yeah. wow. Well, hey, that, man. You know that, that is. That, that is <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really going to think about that. You should. Wow. Yeah, it's probably entirely wrong. But. Twitter, no, I like it. Twitter, it's a, good, it's a good theory. Twitter is a game, and the, the mm -hmm. only way you win is by never becoming the main character. That's true. That's true. Which, there's not another game quite like that. Hmm. You would like to, you want to be close to being the main character, but you don't want to actually be the main character. That's not good. Yeah, right. it's too much. Right. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. It'll yeah. ruin you. Don't eat the final peach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I don't know. I, I got thinking about the glass bead game, too, and I kind of realized that what Frank Herbert was doing, writing Dune, and, and maybe what all of us novelists are doing, is playing the glass bead game. Writing Dune is playing the glass bead game. It's got touches of music and different languages and different religions and different cultural practices, ecological practices, philosophical things are being combined in a harmonious way that all holds together. And like, what a marvelous glass bead the Book of Dune is, right? So, wow. Anyway. <laughs> that, no, that is, that is extraordinary. Okay. Completely right. agree. I completely yeah. agree with that take. Yeah. The Glass Bead yeah. Game is a novel about novels, among other things. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so and, and it got me thinking, too, just about, and not to big up, you know, cinema and thing, other things can clearly be the same way. But what I got, I got really, it really pleased me hearing Frank Herbert talk about his process for Dune because he started about trying to write this article about a single thing. There was, they were handling in the Oregon coast, 
they were handling the sand dunes coming across the road and he got interested. Right. In right. And then he just kept going, this leading one thing to the next. And at some point he's like, well, this isn't an article, right? It's, I got all this stuff. It's not an article. And, and I think this is what, I mean, this is what writing a novel has been for me. It's like, you got all this stuff. The only way to put it together is actually to make a whole new container and then fit it all in there somehow. And that, that is can... definitely how my novel came to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's cool. Yeah. See, that, that's what Frank Herbert's doing too. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to, I just want to point out, I've got a very sad story to tell. I'm out of my, my Billy goat. Oh no. THC. Uh, uh, candies. Kevin, you're gonna have to re- I'm up out before of, Minnesota, I'm out of Minnesota changes the law. <laughs> I'm out of I'm out of spice for the evening. Oh, no. Ah, but yeah. I have another bag. Some <laughs> sure you do. Here. Yeah, I just want to I just want to say I'm you know it just makes me a little sad, but I still have one final candy. That's good. Uh, which I think I think I'll probably uh, go on mute and take it right now. All right, all right. Ben, Ben, the the running joke is Minnesota accidentally legalized edibles. Mm. Um, they didn't realize they were doing it. So they just, it was one of these things they didn't read the bill. And one of the parts of the bill, if you derive it from hemp, it's fine. And so yeah, the next thing you know, just... yeah, all the weed heads were like, hey, you guys just legalized edibles. Sweet. <laughs> they're like, yeah, oh, no. so that, right? That's the 2018 <laughs> farm bill. It happened all okay. across the whole country. Oh, did it really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So Michigan is yeah. already legal, so it doesn't matter for yeah. us. But, yeah. I, I, write, I actually write uh, legal coverage for MedMed, who oh, is yeah. Med, yeah, yeah, medical yeah. marijuana dispensary sure. chain. So, sure. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So um, what else <laughs> do we want to talk about on here? I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of sort of depth to, um, you know, we're talking about the different kind of cultural references. You made a comment been to me about this sort of there's a sort of a christian relationship a, a john the baptist jesus thing happening with uh paul and i guess it would be duncan idaho right duncan idaho. yeah, yeah. So tell me about um, that. It, it, in these scenes in the in the first movies so as a reader who has read the entire dune series that uh, all the books that were written by frank herbert all yeah. the way through Chapter House Dune, yeah. which is basically eight thousand ish years of the wow. of the Dune universe, and you you're watching this movie, this this Bill, Dennis Villeneuve's movie, something like that. You're yeah. Watching, yeah, you're watching, <laughs> you're, you're watching like young T- Tim- Timothy Chalamet interacting yeah. with uh, with with uh, uh, I forget the other actor's J- name, Jason Momoa. Dismala, right? Um, uh, as Duncan Idaho, and and you're just like, this is literally, this is literally like watching Jesus Christ interact with John the Baptist un- yeah. unironically. Right. It's, right. I, I I don't know how else to contextualize it. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. Well, I think that might have been a a, a Villeneuve. I think Villeneuve is actually without being public about it because it's, it's tricky in Hollywood to be public about it. I think Villeneuve mm-hmm. is actually deeply Christian. Um, mm. And I, I just don't think he's at, I don't think it's been, I don't think it's something that you say, say out loud if you're in Hollywood, if that's your, if that's your religious faith personally. But mm. I, I think if you watch it, you can get hints throughout his whole oof, throughout um, uh, alien, uh, not alien, throughout arrival. I think it's all sort of subtly there. But um, nonetheless, 
I think this is, speaks to something that's really interesting. What I've loved to see is when the Villeneuve version came out, people's reaction, the, the reactions that some people have who have no idea what happens later on plot wise, right? Right. They have no idea that Duncan is coming back from the dead. They have right. no idea that Paul's going to become, you know, a megalomaniac, the, the dictator of all time and space, basically. Right. Right. Yeah. They have no yeah. idea these things are going to happen and they sort of react to it and like, oh my God, I can't believe Jason Momoa. He's not going to be in the, he's not going to be in the movies. Like, you know, there's like this, it's, it's, and it's, and you just kind of want to like not really say anything and just kind of keep it to yourself and yeah. uh, wait until, wait until the stuff drops. I don't know how long they're going to go with the films. Who knows if they're going, Yeah, they're not going. I don't think they're going to go to chapter house Dune. I don't think. I, I doubt it. Yeah, yeah. But we'll get a couple, we'll get a couple movies out of it anyway. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. And, and I don't see them turning Chalamet into a, you know, into a, into a sandworm. I don't see like that whole process happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. They, they, there's, there are certain processes that they need to, to portray differently. Yeah. 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 There, now sure. there was another interesting thing in this inner, this interview I was listening to uh, from 1969 with Frank Herbert and this professor was spec. And this is before a lot of the sequels came out. Right. It's, it, it was literally, I think, I think it, they did the interview right when Dune Messiah came out mm -hmm. or shortly before it came out. And so the professor is like speculating about the nature and origin of Shai Hulud. Mm. And, and, and you could tell that Herbert in this interview, you can tell that Herbert, Herbert is only presenting the tip of the iceberg. You know, this guy's like, well, is it like this? And, and Herbert's like, well, you know, I like to leave these things a little open-ended. <laughs> you can mm -hmm. tell that he knows that there is this whole progression of stuff that's going to be sort of presented and is, is taking pleasure in, in the fact that this, this, you know, fairly intelligent guy is trying to, trying to kind of pick his brain a little bit. Um, and you have to think, like, I do wonder, obviously he didn't know the plot all the way to Chapter House Dune right off the bat, right? This stuff when he started, surely not. No, yeah, he couldn't surely. have gone that far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. you do kind of wonder, like, at what point did what come up? And is there, and you can tell us this, because I haven't read as deep into the series as you have been. Yeah. Does it, I know sometimes you watch, like, a TV show, and it feels like at some point, like, ah, they're just kind of making it up as they go now, right? Have you ever yeah. had that feeling where, like, it started out really strong. They knew where they were going. They had season one on lock. Mm -hmm. And now, shoot, they didn't think it was going to be this popular. Now they got to deal with season four, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's just right. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. Does actually, Dune get like that at some point? No, no, no. Oh. The the way the Dune universe develops is really extraordinary. It's okay. like they they it's every book expands the expands the scale. Okay. So it, it, the first book is about. Uh, Paul and Lady Jessica and Duke Lizzo the first on uh, Arrakis and uh, the the second book is about his children. The third book is about the the God Emperor, the mm. the Worm, and mm. it, it, each book continues to expand the scope outward um, yeah. to to the point where by the time you get to Chapter House Dune, you're actually dealing with um, entire civilizations the, there's this group called the scattering humans who huh. have been populated on distant planets huh. and uh and have lost touch with the benedictine teachings 
and um, so and there's there's this disconnect between the the central empire and the 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 people who exist on the planets uh, that that have been the the, the diaspora so to, so to speak yeah. so yeah is, it, is, it, it, each one scales it up is one of yeah. these one of these scattered civilizations is that the star wars civilization yeah so this, <laughs> this, this is my okay this is the ewok christmas special right. <laughs> nuke it from this orbit this is my favorite fan theory oh, okay that, okay Lay it that all the star wars movies are set in a far future dark age of the dune universe excellent aka post fall of a galactic atlantis Right, right. So, okay, so that would put that would put the Dune that we know in the past of Star Wars. Is that what I'm? Is that right? Right, exactly. Okay. Dune, okay. Dune, 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 Dune would be in the past. Yeah. So, um, Exhibit A. All right. Star Wars is a sci-fi universe where magic exists. Apparently, the Force, yeah. Yeah. and it appears to be tied in with shady genetic engineering, the mm-hmm. midichlorians. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Appendix 2 to Dune, there is a description of the sorceresses who, wow. uh, who first populated the universe. And it says, it was a time of sorceresses whose powers were real. The measure of them is seen in the fact that they never boasted of how they grasped the firebrand. Oh. So that's um, that's a Ben Ben A. Jesuit. That sounds like some Ben A. Jesuit stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. So that's uh, okay. So that's Exhibit A. The, yeah. the um, Exhibit B in Star Wars: Droids have human level intelligence, yet no one knows how to program a droid. That's true. No one knows. No one knows how to fix them at anything above the bo- the most basic hardware level. And uh, this would actually make sense as an aftermath of the Dune universe's Butlerian Jihad, in which yeah. AI engineering was banned. Right. So you just um, you just are using the wreckage. You pull something out of the wreckage and kind of put it back together. Right. right? Yeah. Right, right. Interesting. Is it okay? Yeah. Exhibit C in Star Wars: Faster than light travel is only possible with the help of shipboard AIs, hyperspace mm-hmm. jumps. Folding space time, which no one seems to really understand. What if the hyperdrive AIs are the uploaded minds of guild navigators, which actually in the in the later books in the series, the the, the Tleilaxu, uh, one of the civilizations, yeah. yeah, they actually do act, uh, encode the minds of guild navigators into shipboard computers, so they can they can control folding space time. Right. So, right. Yeah. So okay. uh, so that so then you have it on the, the millennium, you know, whatever ship you want to talk about in Star Wars, you've got the this uh, hyperdrive that's basically the mind of a guild, oh, navigator. Of a guild navigator. Interesting. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So exhibit D in the Star Wars <laughs> prequels, the the Jedi claim to have guarded the old republic for a thousand generations. This sounds suspiciously like a folk memory of the, of the Bene Gesserit's manipulation of bloodlines on a 
10,000 year time scale. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Wow. Okay. You came and, prepared. Uh, is there more? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, two two okay. more. Two more. Last one is a killer. Okay. Okay. Exhibit E. What exactly is the force in the Star Wars universe? Yeah. No oh. one seems to know. What if it's Survive. a folk, <laughs> What if it's a folk memory of a galactic internet that transmitted energy, matter, and pure information anywhere at hyperspeed on demand? Mm, okay. The ultimate achievement of the Dune universes. Uh, and and then exhibit F. There, so there's this planet um, in, in the Star Wars universe um, called uh, Tatooine, right? It's, mm -hmm. a it's a desert planet. It's Where Luke Skywalker's with, from, right? Right, yeah. yeah. It's filled with these... It's dotted with these ruins of these ancient palaces. Nobody knows where they come from. And uh, who rules in these palaces? It's worm-like beings, the huts. Yeah. Jabba the, Jabba, Jabba the hut with a with a human with a human-like face and human-like arms. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. I see. Well, oh man. So. Yeah, why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> I now then the question is, is like cuz I always just thought George Lucas just stole from Dune. But like the Actually, timing that is that is yeah. the real explanation. But the timing of the <laughs> yeah, the timing of the publication of some of this stuff doesn't quite like when did when did well, I mean, I know when did the the excuse me, when did the worm become the emperor in Dune and when did Return of the Jedi come out? That's a yeah. That's a good point. Return of the Jedi like, was 1983, I believe. Okay, so Frank Herbert was already had already passed away by then. Mm -hmm. So I guess it could have still been stolen from the books. But um, I like this idea that it's George Lucas's fan, either George Lucas's fan fiction, or they're both participating in the same sort of dream space in some way. Yeah, um, some sort of Jungian uh, shared. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, yeah. this all this all comes back together when you get to David Lynch's Dune, which they uh, they thought they were going to merchandise that movie yeah. like yes. uh, Star like Wars. Star. It's hilarious. If you want to have a laugh, uh, get yourself some Billy Goats hard candies and Google <laughs> uh, uh, Lynch Dune coloring book. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's hilarious. There's a page. Yeah. There's a page that has one of the guild navigators. It just has like a face that looks like genitals, and it's just like yeah. this, is, this is the coloring book for eight yeah. and above. Yeah. <laughs> I like the one. Of, I like the one of uh, the the, uh, the Duke Leo and Lady Jessica dead uh, or right. not dead, right. but like paralyzed on right. the floor. Right. They're like, <laughs> oh, they're, yeah, that memorable I, that memorable scene that the kids loved when they were I'm just, I'm just trying, to, yeah. Yeah. trying to trying to imagine the executives you know three months after that movie dropped and they walk into the warehouse like the end of Raiders yeah, and just right. look at all the merch that's right. never going to get right. sold, <laughs> sold I am never yeah. going to financially yeah. recover from, from this it had uh, doing that movie I think we talked about this before that movie it had the, I think, the largest marketing budget of any film ever at that point. Whoa. And I, it was definitely up there. So you can imagine, it's just like, 
and it's good. It's just, it, it, it's the biggest mismatch between the product and what the people who produced it thought it was. I think mm -hmm. like you've never seen it that disjointed. They're trying to make cereal did. and stuff. Like it was <laughs> ridiculous. Apparently it did well in Europe and outside okay. of the U S but then it didn't do so well in the U S which I yeah. think makes sense. You know, David Lynch and his right. uh, aesthetic and everything. I love it. I, I watched good. it just a couple of weeks ago and it, I love it because you finish and when you're done watching David Lynch, Lynch's Dune, tell me you don't feel like you have just been on a trip. Right. right. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. Your friend is playing some weird music you, you don't recognize. <laughs> uh, you close your eyes. You know, your, your ex-girlfriend's around. Uh, you're still friends. You're in college, right? You, your, yeah. your check engine light came on. Somebody gave you a little party favor. You kind of fade out in the corner for 10 minutes. And you have an entire story in your mind right. about how you're, you're the, you know, the Messiah come to save the universe. <laughs> But yes. you have to fight Sting. Well, guitar <laughs> licks right. start kicking off. Up sting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah greased up Sting. And, and you wait, and you come too, and your friends are like, hey, "Man, uh, you know the Chinese food is here." Yeah. And and yeah. and you, then you have to wake up in the morning and go to work. That's yeah. what David Lynch's Dune feels like to me, <laughs> and that re represents kind of what the film is or what the book is about, which is a psychedelic experience. Right. Right, so, right. so just sidebar here, the first time I saw David Lynch's Dune was at a sleepover at my church when I was a kid. What? And we, yeah, <laughs> they rented, for some reason, right, they rented right. David Lynch's Dune as the movie. On v that, VHS? Was it on VHS? It was on VHS that the, yeah. youth, group, that the youth group was going to watch. Right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like Star Wars. The kids will probably like it. Just yeah, it sure. I mean, yeah. And, and they, they got into the scenes where the uh, Harkonnens are like torturing their victims, and oh, I was yeah. like, this, "This is a whole. This is a whole different kind of thing." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, because there's I, a. I, I was not prepared. I was not prepared. No, the I Baron Harkonnen in the Lynch version is like more scary. unsettling. Actually, I'm yeah. alive. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, he raises up and he flies and the heart yeah. plugs and everything. Oh, right. it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's hardcore. Yeah. And yeah. then it's they're, they're, they're his pustules on his face and it's yeah. Ew, they're grotesque. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. So yeah. Just, just picture a, a church sleepover in Lubbock, right. Texas of uh, <laughs> youth group, young white youth group teens. Right. <laughs> and that's the movie they're watching. Yeah, I'm about hilarious. to turn 40. Nobody had a normal childhood in nope. America. No, nope. yeah, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> we're all freaks. Yeah, <laughs> and these movies are a big part of it. You oh yeah, absolutely, man, it. absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, I think. I mean, I think we can kind of we can kind of wind down there. We are going to come back on the after dark. We're going to talk about primarily. I want to talk about planning for the Butlerian Jihad with you guys, and mm -hmm. I want to keep that from the public eye. So we're gonna. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> People who don't know what is the Butlerian Jihad and why should they send okay. us three dollars or more? We have six dollar yeah, tiers, ten dollar yeah. tiers. Support the show. And I, I got to pause one more time. I know we're yeah. we're passing the hat a lot here. Yeah. Uh, this is independent media. We are not mm -hmm. backed by anybody. There's so much garbage out there in the mainstream. If you really want to support people doing something that you appreciate and you enjoy, Patreon is 100% the best way to do it. It is. Every little bit helps. And we love hearing from people. Brad loves 
loves getting uh, messages in German uh, yeah. uh, on the Twitter web. Uh, I can't Twitter. understand them or anything, but right. they're fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he, <laughs> he stopped forwarding them to me because I can't, I'm an unreliable translator. Um, yeah. But legitimately, patreon.com slash artofdarkpod, and uh, we love hearing from people. So yeah. We also have a Telegram if you want to join the chat. Just go to the website, artofdarkpod.com. Yeah, there. yeah. There yeah so, so Kevin, and thanks for doing that. We're going to get into Butlerian Jihad. What the Butlerian Jihad was is in the Dune universe, and Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, in the Dune universe, it is decided that computers, as we think of them, are negative and need to be wiped out. You are not to recreate a machine in the mind of man. Um, Thou shalt not make a machine in the likeness of, of a man's mind. Right. There we go. Yeah. And so, yeah. so they, there was a major effort to wipe all this out, and that was called the Butlerian Jihad. The dune, mm-hmm. uh, the dune that everybody knows and loves takes place in the aftermath of that. So we're going to talk exactly. about yeah. maybe we need to have a Butlerian Jihad. Maybe we need to have a mini Butlerian Jihad uh, of some sort. Um, so we're going to talk about that in the afternoon. We're going to wipe out all media except podcasts. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all that's left books and movies yeah. and podcasts. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. would, I would personally propose in my, uh, Reich, I would propose, um, <laughs> Brad's like, Ooh, making a face okay. in my, in my kingdom. Yeah, uh, is okay. that better? Um, yeah. I would propose, uh, a sabbatical on all remakes yeah adaptations of existing material yeah sequels any of it all of it for a generation can you imagine just as like a hypothetical what the media landscape would look like with no new cape shit for 50 years it would be very cool yeah yeah, it would just be interesting to yeah Yeah. something something to think about it would kind of suck for me as an author because that would be my book would not be adapted into film Ah. <laughs> we, we, we could, but we could maybe do an exception for like if it's a new adaptation of something original. Then yes, right. you're allowed right. to do it. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll call it the we'll call it the Thomas exception. That's right. Uh, okay. Right. And yeah, you're, you're, you're gonna make the, the it. You're gonna make it. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. No reboots. No reboots. No, no reboots. Yeah. No remakes. Yeah. You're not right. remaking Jaws. If they ever right. try to redo Jaws, I will start bombing theaters. <laughs> I will start throwing. <laughs> 100 percent i don't uh, no, you're just, not safe it's uh, gonna be real bad <laughs> oh, you, you uh, you're on notice and please please hollywood. Uh, apple hollywood yeah hollywood like yeah they're like <laughs> i've been hiding my christianity for so right. many years i'm just right. trying to get a deal right. um okay but we're so we're gonna we're gonna pause we're gonna come back yeah. for the for the after dark we're gonna talk about the butlerian jihad uh ben yeah. ben give us your uh your plugs real quick before we go yeah, my main thing right now is houseblackwood.net. That's where you can find everything, uh, all the books that we're putting out, our podcast, Horrifying Tales of Wonder. You can find my novel, The Cradle and the Sword, which is in- inspired by Dune. And uh, yeah, that's that's the main thing that you want to check out. Uh, uh, Writing Ben on Twitter, at Writing Ben on Twitter, and houseblackwood.net. Love it. And can you leave us uh, with with one final quote from Dune, uh, Ben? What is fear? Fear is the mind killer. We'll be right back. See you on the After Dark. (laughs) 